1: What is Jewish about Jewish-American literature? While the imaginative possibilities are numerous, many scholars approach literary products with an established notion of a Jewish identity before they reach their subjects. This is one of the central concerns for Benjamin Trier in his new book, The Impossible Jew, Identity and the Reconstruction of Jewish-American Literary History, published by NYU Press in 2015. He calls for a critical study of identity and identification within this field which should have broader applications in other identity-based investigations. Schreier provides a comprehensive and productive re-evaluation of approaches to identity, which explores the meaning and power of the uses of identity in literary products. He puts his new approach into action through a re-reading of key works and authors from an established Jewish-American literary canon. On the other end of the spectrum, he tests the boundaries of the deployment of Jewishness when it does not align with the dominant assumptions in Jewish-American literary study. In our conversation, we discuss the place of Jewish-American literary studies within adjacent fields, the dominant scholarly practices in this field, racialized nationalist grounds of Jewishness, Abraham Cahan's Spectral Jew, the New York Intellectuals, the Anxiety of Jewish Identity in Philip Roth's work, the Ear Representation of Identity in Jonathan Saffron Foer's Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close, and how to think about identity as an analytical category. I'm one of your co-hosts, Christian Peterson. Thanks again for listening to another episode of New Books in Religion. Without further delay, here's my conversation with Benjamin Schreier. Welcome, Ben. Thanks for joining us on New Books in Religion. How are you?
0: My pleasure. I'm, I'm doing pretty well. Thank you.
1: So I really enjoyed this book, The Impossible Jew. It's theoretically rich. I think it's broadly applicable. Um, it's quite funny which is often <laughs> rare in academic books uh and I, I would encourage listeners to read it even if it's just for the the chapter titles and some of the subheadings you you put in there but uh it is a really great read uh, and uh i hope others will uh, will will pick up the book um yeah, yeah. Before we jump in though, um can you tell us a little bit about you, some of your your background, training, p- perhaps people that have been influential in uh why you study the things you do or how you study them?
0: Sure. I feel, you know, I I, I identify my work, I guess, very um intensively with kind of Jewish studies, uh, uh Jewish studies questions, but I also don't have any I've always felt like an outsider in Jewish studies. Um partly because I didn't I mean, I didn't. I didn't come up into Jewish studies. You know, I, I. You know, my my graduate work was all straight up American literature and literary studies. I only got into Jewish literature sort of after the PhD was done. Um, although my dissertation was on three anti-Semites and a self-hater, as I like to now look back on it. But um, but but yeah. So I I, I sort of got into Jewish studies late. And I've always felt like an outsider, but I've always, I think that's sort of been the, the, the source of my, I don't know, for lack of a better word, kind of like cathexis on it. <laughs> so, um, so I don't know, for for people who've read the book or read anything else that I've read, I'm, I'm really interested in the kind of the questions of of, of professional Jewish studies as <laughs> institutionality, right? Like sort of what, what kinds of, questions it asks, um, what, what sorts of assumptions make it a coherent enterprise? And I think, I mean, you know, looking back, you know, looking, looking back on my own professional development, uh, in hindsight, which lends a certain coherence, I, you know, I like to think that that comes from my sort of outsider status in it. Um, but uh but yeah, so I guess that's sort of that sort of accounts for my my uh, where, where I was coming from in the book. My first book again wasn't on Jewish stuff at all Jewish literature, or Jewish studies at all um, but mounted a kind of I don't know I, I see these two books as, as linked in a certain way insofar as um, in that first book I was kind of taking a look at um, um, a certain kind of academic orthodoxy in in literary studies these days. And in this book and the impossible Jew, I'm, I, I, feel like, you know, what I was really focused on was a kind of analytical orthodoxy within Jewish studies. Um, so I don't know if that, if that answers your question.
1: Yeah, that's great. Can you talk a little bit about how, um, you know, it sounds like these kind of questions of, uh, how the discipline works and, uh, what is, what, formulates this kind of subfield have been part of kind of your questioning for a long time. So can you tell us a little bit about how this project began to emerge as a book? When did you think to say, okay, this needs to be explored in this very comprehensive way?
0: That's that's like a great question. Um and it's it's such a good question that I, I don't know how I can answer it really. <laughs> <laughs> um so so I, I mentioned that um I I came to Jewish literature sort of late. And I, you know, a friend of mine, uh, you know, as I was finishing up my first book, um, um, actually, sort of, I, in a sort of hiatus from academia, a friend of mine during a hiatus from academia, a friend of mine, um, introduced me to Delmore Schwartz is a name that I kind of always knew, but I had no idea who he really was. Um, and I started reading him. And um, I, you know, our first kid had just been born. I was uh, not working, actually. I was sort of staying home with her. Um And I don't know, I started getting obsessed with Delmore Schwartz. And I sort of wrote what ended up being one of my first publications, you know, while our daughter was napping. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> was doing... So, and I don't know, it, like what, I, I found myself kind of obsessed with like what makes Delmore Schwartz a Jewish writer like the, the i don't i don't know like you know i don't i don't know quite what what led to that, and one of the first critical pieces I read on Schwartz was this this thing by ruth Weiss i don't even know where it was um it was in some collection I'm trying to trying to think. Yeah, I don't. I honestly don't even remember where it was, if I could look back in the article and find the citation. But it was like, you know, standard sort of Ruth Weiss nationalistic argument, um, you know, with kind of hatefulness just under the surface. And, and I, I started realizing that she was sort of also obsessed with what makes writers Jewish. And I, oddly enough, for someone who... You know, I, I feel like a lot of my work can be kind of indexed to a challenge, <laughs> an intellectual challenge to Ruth Weiss. I feel like we're sort of, you know, I'm on the flip side of her sort of her, you know, I think we're both sort of obsessed with Jewishness. Mm-hmm. Um, she from a, <clears throat> you know, what I think it's relatively fair to call a nationalistic standpoint and me from a very sort of theoretical institutional standpoint, like what allows us to classify people as Jewish. So anyway, I started writing on Schwartz. um I wrote this article, and I think, you know, when I first started thinking about a book, it was a book on Delmore Schwartz, um, who doesn't really appear in this book um, at all, I think. Does he? Do I ever mention – I don't know. Anyway, I you know, then I started writing on – Roth, because I feel like everybody who writes on Jewish American literature writes on Roth. Oh, not not to say that Roth doesn't deserve to be written about. Um, And I don't know. So I I kind of and then I started writing on Kahan. um, And I don't know, a couple of articles, a couple of articles started taking shape that had nothing to do with Schwartz, really, but had everything to do with the sorts of theoretical institutional questions that had motivated or that sort of emerged out of my interest in Schwartz. Um, and I don't know. So it was probably about a a year or two, maybe two years after. Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't even matter. Anyway. Yeah. So I, um, I had kind of written, I ended up finding, I I sort of woke up one day and realized I had written half of a book that wasn't a book on Mm Schwartz. And that's, you know, that's sort of how it, that's sort of how it developed. Um, and it very much like became this, you know, I, I wanted to look at, the institutionality of Jewish studies. And by Jewish studies, I mean like a, a, anything that's sort of interested in a question of Jewish identity. Um, so I, I, I found myself looking at these sorts of institutional questions, but via close readings of literature, hmm. um, which I actually don't think is that common in Jewish studies. And the,
1: the, the kind of broader uh... – kind of impact here that, you, that that your work might have, at least, uh, as I imagine is this critique of identity and and how identity yeah. works and how it's, um, categorized and operates. And so what, from, from your perspective, what happens to identity-based literary study without a concept of identity? I think you call it non-identitarian concept of identity.
0: Yeah. So, um, I, I, I I'm, Maybe, maybe I was, I was, I was unclear. Um, I I don't think that identity-based literary study can exist without a concept of identity. I mean, I think it very much needs it. Obviously, needs a concept of identity. What I, what I'm writing against, what has sort of motivated me, is um, the need to think to kind of really critically think about what kind of identity concept we're using. And I think that Jewish studies, like lots of other ethnic studies, um, like multicultural literary studies, has ultimately, you know, I I, I don't want to overstate the case, but like has ultimately based itself in a kind of historicist, um, more or less population based concept of identity. And that's what. That's what I'm trying to think around, and you know, part of part of the problem that I face in the book, and I and I'm, I I like to think I'm upfront about this. <laughs> I like to think I admit it is that I don't think we really know how to talk about identity outside of um, absent and ultimately population based mode of thinking. Like I just we don't we don't have vocabulary for it, right? Like I don't know I don't really know how to to say things about it (laughs) so that's what i'm sort of trying to that's what i'm trying to to write around so when i use a word like identitarian i mean um a kind of minoritarian population-based way of thinking about identity that ultimately questions of jewishness are really questions about jews at the at the at the end of the line right so i think a a construction i use in the book is that um I'm, i'm not my idea of a kind of critical Jewish studies is an a critical analysis of the way we use the term Jewish, not a critical analysis of the history of Jews. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's sort of what I that's sort of what I mean.
1: Yeah, and to uh, to, to lay this out maybe more clearly for people who haven't read the book, um, this this idea of the category of the Jew. Um, in your take on the field of Jewish studies or Jewish American literary studies more specifically what are the the possible definitions of Jewish identity uh in contemporary Jewish studies and how do, how do you account for the Jewishness that anchors your study of uh, American Jewish literature
0: well so the way i i you know that that's whatever that's that's like that's the problem that defines the book right um <laughs> And as such, I don't have an easy, <laughs> I don't have a short answer to. It. Um, what <laughs> you're asking all the wrong questions. Um, what I guess, like the, the, my my initial entry into that problem is by thinking about Jewishness as a form of desire, not as a form of representation, right? So, so when I like, I think the standard way of I don't know, standard. I mean, we can we can talk more about this in a bit, but like. I think the, the, the sort of professionally hegemonic way of thinking about Jewishness within Jewish studies is that when, you know, Jewishness is a sort of master term of representation that it, that we're, we're talking about something that exists. Right. Um, and I I don't want to say that Jewishness doesn't exist, but I I do, I, I, what I'm sort of, what I start to do in the book, um, I guess most explicitly in the. Chapter on Khan, but but everywhere in the book um, is that I'm trying to th- what, what would it mean to think about identity not as a form of representation but as a form of desire. Like when we use this word, we're actually and it's a desire that we can find in the literary texts, but also equally as as significant, it's a form of desire that that animates our critical practice. And by our, I mean you know Jewish studies based critics. Um, that that what would it mean to think about Jewishness as something that orients our critical practice, not necessarily as something that unifies a, an archive, right? Um, so it's something that we sort of, um, it's a machine, right? It's a machine that we, we, we bring to an archive. It's not, um, it's not, it's not something, uh, that, uh, that that positively and unproblematically exists that already unifies an archive that we that that we already recognize. Um, I, I don't know if that if that helps at all, but you know again these are this is these are these are some of the problems that we're, we're you know some of the problems that I'm facing right now and that we're both facing are you know again this sort of problem of definition that that I don't know if we have um we don't have um um we we, we don't have sort of professionally. Um, recognizable, uh, terms to talk about this sort of non-identitarian practice yet.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you do, you kind of reconstruct or invent some new terminology, which um, I think (laughs) can, can be helpful to, uh, to many, um, one of these key terms, uh, in the project in kind of constructing this maybe new approach or new working assumptions, um, is this idea of semitism that you put out you say uh you call for a semitic literary criticism
0: well that's this is my term for desire right like a semitic desire right
1: yeah yeah so uh, and you you pose or frame this in kind of uh what you call some vocabularies for a discourse of jewiness uh, so um what uh but what does this larger discourse of Jewiness look like uh, when we kind of reverse the operations of identification uh, in the ways you approach the kind of some key texts in the Jewish American literary canon that you uh, go through in the, the rest of the book? Um, how, how do these new vocabularies that you're putting forth operate uh, in kind of a, a rereading of some of these key texts? OK, so or maybe to put it simply, what 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 are you trying to do through some of your case studies later on in the book?
0: Right. So so I think. Um, let me let me let me let me sort of back up a little. Let me let me start answering that question by, in fact, answering a, a sort of different question initially. So, like, I think Jewish literary study, like Jewish studies more generally, um, needs to decide what it's up to and like needs to needs to make that an explicit focus of its practice, like deciding what it's up to. (laughs) So at the very least, it needs to admit that there is a question or a problem or something like that, right? Um, So institutional, professional Jewish studies as it currently exists um, has, I guess for better or for worse, decided that its mission is essentially a biologically grounded historical project. And, And what I mean by this is that institutional Jewish studies largely imagines itself as an interdisciplinary project right. And th- these are all, this is, this is an argument I make in the book. Um, so it, it's like an interdisciplinary project that, um, you know, it's constructed, it's con it's conducted and constructed simultaneously along a number of inter- uh, disciplinaries, disciplinarily specific texts. um, that word disciplinarily always catches <laughs> me. Sorry about that. Um, so to study the history, cultures, languages, practices, of populations which we have some scholarly incentive to label Jewish, right? And that's what Jewish studies is. Um, it's, it's a population based form of historiography, interdisciplinary, but nonetheless, what it's doing is sort of telling the story of this, of, of, of a set of populations which we recognize as Jewish. Um, and, and, and also the cultures that emerge out of that, right? But, but we can call certain cultural things Jewish because ultimately they're grounded in some kind of population that we already recognize as Jewish. So my complaint um, and the complaint that motivated the book is that while Jewish studies may have decided on such a historical project, um, this decision, and and I think it pays to insist that it's a decision that's repeated and restaged every time we engage in Jewish studies work, has really rarely been subjected to any kind of deliberative critical self-regard. And so one of the results of such a critical inquiry um, is that such population grounded historicism as dominant forms of Jewish studies work currently exists um, and currently incentivized is necessarily nationalist, right? And it's it's like it's, it's what Jewish studies work kind of does unwittingly, I think, to the for the most part is ground a kind of I don't know ground a kind of national national unity of Jewishness, right? That that like ultimately. Um, what we're doing when we do Jewish studies work is talking about some kind of historical unity of Jews, right? And what I wanted to do is back away from that. And in fact, and instead, right, try to look at how forms of, you know, boyarin's term is thinking in Jewish, which is, as you know, from reading the book is kind of an important, um, um touchstone for me, um, but like how various forms of thinking in Jewish instead are the things that ground that unity rather than some kind of historical biologically based sense of population. Does that make any sense? So, so that's why that's why it's all
1: making sense just to reassure you. (laughs)
0: Sorry, sorry. But so like, that's why, so I'm engaged in, you know, my method in the book is, is uh, extremely close reading, (laughs) right? Um, Close reading of both literary texts, but also close reading of, of, of critical arguments um, to look at how, Forms of thought are actually what provide unity, not populations, right?
1: Yeah, and this this does come through uh, clearly in the book. Just uh, th- there is a lot of inside Just baseball, despite, uh, despite how unclear it is right now. <laughs> no, no, I, th- I, I think uh, it's you know, with without reading the book, some of the some of the stuff might seem a little heavy, but um, that, I think that helped kind of. Clear it up, uh, maybe for listeners uh, as opposed to readers. Um, so this this kind of uh, new perspective, uh, kind of polemic call that you're making in the book. Um, I, I want to get into some of the the, the kind of close readings that you do, uh, but uh, so we don't run out of time. I do want to ask you a little bit about the the reception you've received. Um, What's your impression of uh, those working in Jewish studies or Jewish American literary studies, more specifically? How have they received your suggestions? Perhaps?
0: <laughs> what a what a great question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I so so one of you know I I sort of begin the book. Let me just back up for a second. I begin the book with this gesture that one of the things animating well, really the the animating. the, 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 the animating force behind the book ultimately when it started looking like a book and when I started, started looking back at what I was doing was that Jewish American literature is this sort of, um, um, I don't know, orphaned stepchild, right? Like it doesn't, this is, this is beginning to change now, but I think you go to the AJS conference, the Jewish studies conference. And there isn't that much in Jewish American literature, right? There's lots of stuff in Hebrew literature and Yiddish literature. Um, There's not so much in English language, American Jewish literature. Um, But at the same time, like also multicultural American literature, which is a big deal in English departments these days, also doesn't really include Jewish literature. Um, Ethnic studies doesn't really, ethnic studies and Jewish studies don't have very strong alliances. Um, So, There's this there's this 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 isolation that Jewish American literature sort of institutional academic isolation of Jewish American literature. Um, I do think that in the last couple of years, AJS has um, done a much better job, I think, of including Jewish American literary studies. But there's also, you know, I think the sort of. Theoretically interesting, critically interesting Jewish American literary studies is is I don't think the necessarily uh, the predominating form of Jewish American literary study. Um, so you can go to a Jewish American literature conference and there's not a whole lot of kind of critical theoretical vibrancy. I don't think, I mean, it's, it's it's a vibrant place, but it's not, it's not doing, it's not engaged in the kind of critical questions that I think, um, I don't know, ethnic studies is defined by. It's not full, you know, you're not seeing the sorts of um, theoretical, big questions that I think lots of Jewish studies work is, is defined by. So all this is to say that I think, um, I'm I've written a book that a lot of people in both of my fields, literary studies and Jewish studies, um, are are not, you know, don't have a lot of, uh, there's not a whole lot of, uh, energy behind, (laughs) behind a lot, you know, behind people looking, picking up my book. Right. There's not it's not it's it's not self-evidently significant to a lot of people. Um, I don't know. I've seen a a very few reviews um, of the book, Uh, you know, one of which was outrightly hostile, (laughs) (laughs) another of which another of which uh, was was um, politely, respectfully disagreeing with it. Um, And then you know, a very you know, a couple of people of you know, strangers. My friends like it, <laughs> but you know, a couple of people have come up to me and said, "Oh, interesting." But I have not seen a lot of like, you know, I don't, I don't know what the, I don't, I don't, I don't know, if, I don't know if it's being cited. You know, I certainly haven't seen that much.
1: Sure. So you right. ha- you haven't uh, filled up the the wagon for the charge <laughs> of yeah. a new Jewish American literary studies yet.
0: Apparently not.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I wish you luck. I wish you luck. I think you're, I think you're doing good stuff. Um, but, uh, that, that is interesting that you have gotten this kind of outright, outright hostility towards kind of your critique, which, uh, you know, as an outsider, uh, I, I kind of imagine that that might be, uh, yeah. I mean, I, you, you know, receive, I, but,
0: uh... I can't say I was surprised.
1: <laughs> <laughs> sure. Sure. Um, So maybe we can dive into uh, some of these kind of examples that you you work through. Um, You know, part of what you're doing in the book is kind of looking at um, figures who uh, are are seen as kind of canonical uh, as Jewish American literary figures. Um, Yeah,
0: important. Like, like I think that was that was an important thing that I wanted to do was like look at these figures who are, you know, who are already unquestionable. Uh, unquestionably included in the canon in the archive, right to look at how how that canonicity has been has been produced right
1: yeah, so you begin with uh, this this figure, Abraham Kahan. Um, mm-hmm. c- can you talk a little bit maybe maybe set us up how how is what, what is the dominant interpretive narrative for, for him, um, and then uh, how does your analysis of of his work aid in your development of this kind of new literary uh, approach?
0: Um, great. Yeah. So Kahn is, you know, you know, anybody who's anybody who talks about Jewish American literature, American Jewish studies, you know, includes Khan in the archive, right? He's, he's such a significant figure, um, both for his work, editing the foreword, but also for, you know, you know, I think uh, David Levinsky is sort of considered, you know, by many, the, 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 the first major Jewish American novel, and then his, his sort of shorter novellas that preceded it are also sort of uh, uber canonical, right? Like these are, and they, and they set up, they set up the, they set up this sort of master narrative of American Jewish studies, um, of sort of the, the immigrant becoming Americanized, um, kind of nostalgically looking back on Jewish identity and, um, becoming an American, right? Um, I remember once having a conversation with Mark Schechner. Um, in fact, I might even have put this in the book, where he said, "Like uh, American Jewish studies is sort of dominated. Like it, it's never, it's never really theorized itself, but uh, but the theory that it has sort of lit upon accidentally is immigration, right? Like that is sort of the master narrative that explains all of Jewish American literature and all of Jew- American Jewish studies more generally, in fact." Um, right. Which is that what 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 Jewish American literary study does is tell the story of Jewish immigration, right, right. from Greenhorn to success. Um, so, you know, without you know, I don't, I don't think it's wrong to read Gahan through that lens, um, but I do think that there's probably diminishing <laughs> returns in um, kind of continually restaging that. Particular narrative. So, what I want to do in looking at the imported bridegroom, a, a novella that came out about twenty years before David Levinsky, um, is look at how you know let's 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 think about what the novel is doing other than that, um, and 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 that's where I lit upon this kind of um, organizing trope of unrecognizability in the story that what's so interesting about the story is that in fact um, it recognizes that something new is happening to Jews but it doesn't know how to describe that Um, and in fact all of the main characters in um, one way or another are experiencing the kind of crisis of unrecognizability Um, and they're all deeply invested in it. <laughs> they all have very strong ideas of what it means to be this kind of Jew. They're, you know, there's the desire that I was talking about earlier. Um, but they don't know how to describe their, this desire to be Jewish. So that's what I, you know, I'm I'm I'm, not, I'm less interested in. Um, I think one of one of the things that I find so interesting about the novella is that it, um, you know, it's it's so invested in. A future that it doesn't know how to describe um like let's pay a little bit of attention to that and not so much attention to what Kahan tells us about a history whose narrative we already know right which i think is a lot of the time how khan is is professionally read
1: um, you you do a similar kind of uh, operation here with the new york intellectuals uh, yeah. and the narrative of jewish identity um, you do this through uh I uh, guess, a, a, a symposium, uh, the, the writings of a, from a symposium uh, called Under 40, mm-hmm. um, the Symposium on American Literature and the Younger Generation of American Jews. Um, so uh, what would you say from your reading are the kind of working assumptions of Under 40? Um, what type of dominant reading patterns does it establish? Um, and then how does your analytical rereading, what does it provide us with?
0: Well again, I mean this is this is going to start sounding maybe a little repetitive, but I, again, I, I feel like the the dominant ways of approaching Jewish literature um and Jewish intellectual history uh and you know a lot of these, you know, these are the the figures in the under 40 symposium um uh, it's actually amazing to look back at at how many big names there were, you know, who be who went on to become sort of significant forces. You know, some of them were already significant at the time, but um, but you know, uh, uh, they're all sort of literary intellectuals, or most of them are sort of literary intellectuals. But I, I feel like again, the dominant—I don't know—I feel like a kind of concern with history and uh, a. a, a, a a sort of taking for granted that what we're doing when we look at literature is in fact trying to trying to construct a historical narrative so th- this is such a this is such a hegemonic assumption in literary study um that that history is i mean that sorry that literary study is in fact just an ancillary um deputy of of historiography and i and i, I so i was really trying to get away from that and 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 not just read under 40 for the ways in which it has customarily been read, which is as a sort of document in uh, uh, mostly second generation Jewish immigrants uh, breaking from a kind of immigrant past and establishing themselves as sort of, you know, this is the sort of ordeal of civility argument, establishing themselves as, as you know, um, um, cultured <laughs> Uh, Or at least Americans with cultural capital. Right. Um, and again, it's like, you know, you, you, you read enough of this stuff and it's, it's just, it's all doing the same thing. And and I don't mean to, I don't mean to like diminish it. I mean, it's, it's an interesting project, but the historicist project I think has been done. Right. We've, we've, we, (laughs) you know, there's only so much, so many times we can read these literary texts for the history of Jewish Americans that they purportedly tell, um, so i wanted to look at that that symposium but also for how that symposium fits in to fits into sort of this 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 sort of master narrative of jewish american history and how it's been used in it um to 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 sort of think about jewishness again as a sort of motivating desire right as a as a as a machine for thought rather than just a um a a, a representational object uh that that sort of the 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 revealing of which it is our intellectual responsibility to to, to pursue right.
1: Now in, in the second half of the book you kind of take some new directions in thinking about uh, this kind of established canon and, and what it can tell us. Um, in in one chapter you look at Philip Philip Roth's work uh, and specifically this uh, this book The Counterlife. Um, mm-hmm. what, what do you see in the counter life um in terms of using it as a critical site for thinking about the anxiety of Jewish identity in in, uh, in literature?
0: I find the counter life I mean I, look, I love I love Philip Roth. I know a lot of people think um, you know, people have different 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 views on Philip Roth. Um I'm I am his book is always I mean his his books have always really, you know, they hit me. Um I always like I sort of race through them. My blood races while I'm reading them. <laughs> so, so um, and the counterlife I think uh, d- does everything that I love about Philip Roth um, double plus well, <laughs> right? Um, so the reason I think it's particularly and I don't know a particularly opposite work to to perform my kind of analysis on is that it's uh really invested in this kind of this this concept of the counter life or or, or or uh counterfactual experiences. So it, it tells um a, a sort of it it kind of it begins by looking as by looking at a sort of standard realist novel, but then it starts retelling, you know, there's different chapters retell different parts of the story. Um Where you know a character is dead in one chapter and he's alive in another chapter. Um, He, you know, uh, uh, the narrator, the narrating character in the first chapter is a character who dies in a later chapter, Um, and the 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 dead character in the first chapter is the one who narrates that later chapter. So it's really playing around with um, uh, uh, different ways of investing life with significance, right? And it's very, very invested in concepts of desire. Um, I mean, there's a lot of erotic desire in the book, but there's also a lot of, um, identity-based desire, right? Like the, the concept of what it means to be a Jew is all over that book. Um, and it's, and it's a, and it's a, it's a question that, um, people are obsessed with. Um, uh, in the in characters are obsessed with and and those who aren't obsessed with are obsessed with their not being obsessed with it. Right. They're, they're, they're everybody, everybody is passionate in that book <laughs> about one thing or another. Um, so there's a kind of Kahana type settler. There's, um, an avidly secular Jew, but nonetheless strongly identifies as Jew. You know, there's just, there's there's this whole gamut of Jewish possibility in the book. Um, and absolutely nothing is resolved, but nothing is resolved in this incredibly, I think, significant way of, like, playing around with possibilities. So, like, multiple possibilities exist. Um, So that's, you know, multiple possibilities that are – that contradict each other coexist in the book. And I think it it really becomes a a super, super interesting um, example, um, a super interesting text for exploring just the kinds of questions I'm interested in. I hope I've not given away anything (laughs) about – for those people who haven't read it, you might want to read it. But I love that book. <laughs> um, the last
1: the last chapter, you uh, take a look at Jonathan Safran Foer's uh, work and specifically um, his book, Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close. Uh, and you, you take this in, I think, really interesting ways again. And you're talking about what you call the, the ear representation of identity. Um, and I'm sure – People could easily take his work right especially everything is illuminated as canonical jewish american literature
0: mm-hmm. uh
1: so here uh it, it, you you say it provides an occasion to kind of reimagine these racialized nationalist grounds for jewish american literary studies so uh what uh maybe uh, tell us a little bit about what you mean here by the irrepresentation of identity and uh, where we can go from your analysis of of this book? So
0: what I so again so one of one of the thing you know my the little secret about my book is that e- each of my chapters and in fact this went for my first book as well um, <laughs> I'm kind of uh, like I always write around the the occasions for each of my each of my articles or chapters or whatever are always like I've I've read some critical work on a book which drives me crazy. (laughs) I get so pissed off at it. So like I I do this kind of close reading of a text in order to read against a critic whom I don't like. Um, So a critic whom I very much do like, uh, Michael Kramer wrote this very significant article about 15 or so years ago, where um, um, he he said that um, the kind of unacknowledged unifying factor of Jewish American literary study is race, right? Like we, no one wants to mention it. No one wants to admit it, but everybody's in fact relying on a kind of concept of race to lend a kind of conceptual coherence to their work. So when we talk about Jewish culture, right? When we talk about Jewish religion, when we talk about Jewish language, all of these things, which I think, you know, previous generation of scholars to us was, you know, was relying on in order to avoid talking about race, are in fact, you know, the only way we can, the only way we can, you know, the the ultimate way in which we can call a bagel Jewish, right, is because (laughs) racially defined Jews ate them at one point, right? Or um, Yiddish is a Jewish language, because, you know, ultimately, racially defined Jews spoke it at one point, right? So what I found so interesting about extremely loud and incredibly close is it should be about Jews, but it's not right. So all of these, all of these kind of cultural signifiers are there, but nowhere do we actually, you know, nowhere, nowhere is there any, um, you know, quote unquote proof that any of these people is Jewish, right? They've some of them have Jewish sounding names, you know, they're living in Jewish Places, um, but never are we given the actual explicit description that they're Jews, right? Um also the book, Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close, and I should say I found everything is illuminated absolutely unreadable. I think it took me about eight months to read it. I hated it so much. Um but this one I actually quite liked. <laughs> Extremely <laughs> loud and incredibly close. Um but it kind of, you know, so it's about 9-11. Um, but in the course of you know it's whatever 300, 400 pages um, of talking about nine eleven, it also kind of touches on basically every single every single major human tragedy of the twentieth century except the Holocaust, right? So I don't know. We get Hiroshima. We get you know the bombing of Dresden. We get the Batan death march. I think <laughs> maybe we get. The, I don't know. We get we get so many horrible things, right? Um, but we never actually get the Holocaust in it, right? Again, it's, it's almost as if the book is going out of its way not to talk about Jews. So, um, I use sort of that and forward status as, you know, you know, a a major, if not the major force of the sort of younger generation of Jewish American writers as a way to talk about, um, the kinds of, um, The kinds of of of, of motivating forces that allow us to talk about a canon of Jewish literature, right? The the kind of concepts of Jewish identity that might anchor practice.
1: Um, Ben, so this is this is a great book, and I I do hope people will uh, read through it and 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 get inspired to to kind of go down some of the paths you're you're forging the way on. Um, Before I let you go, though, can you tell us a little bit about some of the things you're you're working on now?
0: Sure. Um, I'm sort of working on two things right now. Um, for the past year, I've been writing on the kind of a, a sort of institutional history of Jewish American literature. Um, by which I mean, like when it started, uh, you know, uh, a history of the field, uh, uh, the academic field. So, it, it, you know, a lot of ethnic studies field sort of grew out of 68, 69. Um, the uh, AJS was founded in 69. Um, and you know Jewish American literature is is not really all that different um the the sort of the, the only really significant journal in Jewish American literature was founded in 1975 um the people the, the 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 people who were part of that journal um started were had started writing in the late 60s and early 70s so i'm sort of looking at the kinds of institutional forces that came together and created this field but also um, the sorts of institutional, uh, protocols that, 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 you know, that unified the practice, like what people were doing, like, and, and sort of what, what the history of Jewish American literature lets us say about what we expect Jewish American literary study to do. Um, and another thing I'm sort of working on is, a is, a um, I don't know, I, I don't know what it's going to look like yet, but some sort of book on the concept of identity, in humanities practice, you know, both of these, both of these projects, I think, for anyone who's looked at the book, *The Impossible Jew*, will see that he sure. both kind of grow out of that, grow yeah. out of what I was doing, but yeah.
1: Great. Well, Ben, thanks so much for making the time to talk. Uh, Thank wish you so you, Yeah, wish you luck on these uh, future projects. They they sound, uh, at least for for, for my ears, uh, <laughs> very exciting. So Thank looking you very forward much. to reading them. We were talking with Benjamin Schreier about his great new book, The Impossible Jew, Identity and the Reconstruction of Jewish American Literary History, published by NYU Press in 2015. Thanks again for listening to New Books in Religion.